Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 24 of Two Years Away. He's Steve, I'm Brett, and we're here to talk about basketball. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing thoroughly average today. How you doing, Brett? I'm all right. You know, it's uh, it's Saturday night. We just saw actually some some pretty solid games today, and uh, yeah, we're we're in them as uh, as Jim Morris said. We should talk to him about playoffs. So, um, I yeah, you know, and again, I have to, I have to admit, I really didn't think we'd get here. Um, but the the bubble the bubble's all good, and. Uh, you know, it's it, we're we're basically at the end of the first round. Or, you know, we're close to the end of the first round, and and things are working pretty well. Um, have you been have you been enjoying the games as much as I have, Steve? The bubble is working, uh, despite Lou Williams's effort to uh, sabotage it. It is it is working, and it is working perfectly, perhaps too perfectly, um, which makes you wonder what will happen if something goes wrong. Um, but we are not we are not pessimists. We are not cynics here. We are not going to talk about that. Wait, we're um, not. Wait, what have I been doing this whole time then? With that said, though, I will say that holistically, you know, a week into these playoff games, I will say the the games have been good. I wouldn't call these first you know, these first three games of each series, like, I wouldn't say they've been like incredibly like thrilling or, or great competition. You've had some good games here and there, but I would also contend and like to remind uh, our, our listeners who, you know, watch the playoffs every year, you don't usually get the greatest basketball in the first round. And so I think that's a thing that people have to start thinking about <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely good to keep keep the qualifier, but I I you know uh, I think I think we've all learned a valuable lesson this this playoffs, and it's that you should never ever 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 bet against the Orlando Magic in Game One of the first round. And I will add another ever to that. Yes, you know that's that's the official team of this podcast uh, come playoff time because our team sure as hell isn't making the playoffs anytime soon. So. You know, it's, it's good to see. Years. It'll be 20 years from now, and DJ Augustine will still be hitting threes with under a minute left in crunch time on the road. <laughs> hey, no, no, no. They got home court advantage. Yeah, the Orlando and, Magic. The yeah, and, and you know, and, team in the bubble. and Frank Vogel is still going to be coaching coaching his guys up to uh, to go upset the one seed in the East. So can we, can we, by the way, can we just take a second to applaud the Orlando Magic because, like, always? Why? Who, who, who? Seriously, like, who would have thought? Like, no one, both last year and this year, like, whenever you're like building your, oh, like these are who's going to make the playoffs? Like, no one, no one, like, puts Orlando in there. They're always like scheming, like, yeah, Detroit's going to sneak their way in, or like this will be the next year, like. Everyone considers Orlando an afterthought, and yeah, like they're not—they're not even like they haven't even been close to five hundred the last two years. But they—they have, they have solidly made the playoffs in each of the last two years. Like that is—that is—it's—it's it's almost 
it's almost beautiful how consistently average or even below average they've yeah, been. Yeah, and that's hey, that's, why, that come play that's why they're our, that's why they're our team. Uh, and you know, it's, it actually is pretty interesting when you think that you know they don't have Jonathan Isaac, they don't have Aaron Gordon. Um, you know, they're missing all of their wings, which is like the only thing you need when you're playing Milwaukee. And uh, you know, they took one game. They took game one convincingly. We're not going to talk about what happened in games two or three, but. You know, well, it's it's uh it's a good it's a good sign, you know, that maybe in four years, uh, when everyone leaves, that they'll that they'll uh still be around being annoying in the first round of the playoffs. It's it's a good it's a good comforting feeling. So they're you're saying they're two years away from being two years away. I think they're just perpet. I I think they're two years away from being like five years away. Actually. All right, you heard it first. So with that being said, um, and hopefully ignoring whatever is going on behind my apartment, um, Steve, how have you been running the damn ball recently? Well, Brett, I'm I'm glad you asked um, because I received something in the mail today that just makes me want to run the ball as hard as I can into a brick wall. I into or through a brick wall. Into, into, not just through, into. Like, I don't even care if it's just one yard and, you know, I'll run it three or four times and go for it on fourth and and keep running it that way. Yeah. Now, I don't know if I was, uh, if, if this thing was sent to me in the mail as exclusively as it was advertised in the letter that I got. But apparently, I was selected for a uh, very special... 2020 Illinois tree survey that I am most what? certainly going to be filling out. Um, it's in honor of the Arbor Day Foundation, and <laughs> I will I will read Wait, you what I will read you the first two questions. <laughs> um, I'll actually read you the first three questions because this mo- this might be the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. The, I think the, it's the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. And and by the way by the way the survey. Um, the the con- the way you fill out the survey, it's almost like you're taking a standardized test, so you have to fill it out with the bubbles. So that's oh, special. But um, the first question is, please describe the immediate area where you live, urban, suburban, rural, or other. Curious what they're other they have in mind for other there. Like an exurb, <laughs> I guess. But I, I don't know. But number two, I mean, this is where it really takes you on a roller coaster ride. Okay. Number two. Have you ever climbed a tree? Just like ever? What? Are, okay, wait, okay. I have a question. I have a follow-up question. What are they hoping to gain by asking who's climbed a tree before? I don't know. I, okay. you know, I, I honestly, they're, they're just trying to gain information. They're just trying to get data, probably to help them make a, make a decision. They sent, this, they sent these very beautiful... Um, uh, return address labels for me that I'm definitely going to use for all the times that I send letters in the mail. <laughs> but it's important. I, I want I want you to hear question number three. And question number three is: When you were a child, did you ever play under or amongst trees? Like this is this is this is this is elite stuff here, isn't it? This is amazing. Like so, if like like. At my parents' house, like, there's a tree in the backyard. Like, does that? Oh, yeah, definitely. Kind of like there's a tree There's a tree in my parents' backyard. Like, so yeah. they definitively, yes. Uh, they, didn't, they don't specify, like, what kind of tree. Like, if you've ever played 
you know, flashlight tag or hide and seek outside and you hide under a tree, I mean, the answer is immediately yes. The I don't yes, yeah. If they get like lower than 90% yeses on that. That's amazing. I'm so glad that I know that this exists. And honestly, I'm, I'm sad that I didn't get one of these. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it's been a great day so far. I was going to say, I definitely thought that when you said something about, about trees, it was going to be like, uh, like plant a tree for Israel related. But uh, this is even better. Um, the ball. So as, as, as some, of, some of our esteemed listeners might know, I, uh, I started law school this past week. And I've realized that, you know, the week, the weekends, a big, a big, anyone who's kind of gone back to school has realized that the weekends are a big time for like level setting what the next week is going to be. And so since this is my first weekend, as I've been like an actual student, like close classes start, started last Monday or this past Monday, uh, I've used this weekend as so far as a, as a real way to just like run the ball and like kind of set myself up for success later in the week. So I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm going to bed at a good time. I'm, I've been doing a lot of reading today, a lot of homework, and uh, it's going to it's going to serve me, you know, real well down the stretch this week so that, you know, when I when I need to just pull something out and make make a winning play, like I've got that play action in my pocket because I've been I've been picking up steady gains all week. Welcome to adulthood, Brett. You know, it took long enough. I'm glad I'm finally here. Um. All right, so as 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 was mentioned earlier on this show, uh, it is NBA playoff season, um, and so I've got I've got kind of a list of topics here. I think you know it doesn't necessarily need to be quite rapid fire. Like I think we've got some time for discussion, but uh, you know there's there's going to be like a couple questions about most of the series. Um, and to be fair, I did write these questions before the games happened today, so there might be a little editorializing. Um, so first, I think you know the most. I think interesting series just from a, hey, like, these games have been wildly different than everybody expected for the most part. Uh, the Denver-Utah series has really been something. Um, and, you know, we knew coming into the series that, you know, missing Gary Harris and Will Barton was going to be huge for the Nuggets. Like, when you take out your two be- like two of your better wing defenders and you're kind of still working Jamal Murray back into things, like, dealing with Donovan Mitchell is going to be very hard. I mean, he had 57 points in game one, and he's been playing out of his mind since. So what do you think, like, what's going on with Denver? And is this, like, a fixable, like, if if they just magically, if, like, Gary Harris could play tomorrow, like, is he fixing these things, or is you, do you think it runs deeper than that? I, you know, I think the, the answer isn't necessarily, like, a what's wrong with Denver thing, but it's more... I think just a reflection of the fact that like the gap between really two through seven in the West isn't very large. I mean, maybe maybe it's more like three through seven, um, depending on what you think of the Clippers. But we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get there. Yeah, I I think like Denver's always okay. So we all I th- I think we've both agreed over the last couple of years that Denver's a team that is going to. Um, structurally overperform in the regular season because they have a unique home court advantage. And I think just the way the roster is set up with their depth, they are very well suited to be a successful regular season team. Um, Now that's not to say that they're not also suited to be a successful playoff team, but I think 
part of the problem is people want to put Denver in the upper echelon in the West, and I don't know that that's uh, I don't know that they deserve that, frankly, and I don't know that it's it's fair to do that because all is considered, you know, they're still a very young team. Their two best players are, you know, fairly inexperienced and haven't really won anything yet, and so I don't I don't know that that's that's totally fair. Despite like Jokic is a is a top what is, whatever seven player in the league, like he's a, a joy to watch and incredible, but um, uh, you know, it's it's just it's not he's not the same as. Far from like a winning in the playoff standpoint as like a Kawhi or LeBron, I think no one would think yeah. that. And so I think I think what you're seeing is is two teams that are pretty like evenly matched. Um, and uh, you know I don't know if there's anything like more than that going on. I think I think Utah Utah also kind of has its share of uh, issues like Bogdanovich, you know they're without Bogdanovich. Yeah. Um, and you know they had to work calmly back too, and so in a way, I think they're playing basketball. I might actually have the better playoff coach too, to be honest. Wait, they're playing basketball? What? Like better basketball? Oh, sorry, did not hear that. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I think I don't know. I think when I look at Denver, and I mean, obviously, like the restart throws a lot of things out of whack. Like we just have to kind of accept that to be true given the different environment and the lack of a home court and, and the lack of travel and everything. But like Denver having the worst defense, I believe by defensive rating in the bubble in a bubble that included the Washington wizards is pretty alarming. Even if Gary Harris and, and Will Barton and for the most part, Jamal Murray aren't playing like, and if you, if you, if you look at what they, what I think most people consider to be like their core going, going forward of, of Jokic, Murray, and I guess now Michael Porter, like that's a team that's going to have the potential to score 140 points a game, but also could pop possibly give up 140 points every game. And at a certain point you like, in order to take like, cause you, like, and like you said, like, you know, there hasn't been a lot of like extended postseason success there uh which is fine because like those guys are still young and 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 you know there's still a lot of time left in the in the timeline of, of these guys um on the nuggets but you know at a certain point you've got to start seeing something and they're they're just not like at a, at a certain point you're going to get you're gonna you got to start getting a little bit worried especially because it's not like they're gonna have good draft picks the next five to seven years unless they swing some trades um uh, yeah, I think it's totally fair. I mean, to yeah. ask you, like, because, like, I mean, you get down, you know, you get down to the playoffs and the pyramid shrinks as far as like who the true like closers are and stuff. And you know, you even you go you go back to to Denver's series last year against Portland. I mean, you know, the Damon CJ took took the took that game seven, you know, from yeah. them. They had every opportunity to to win that and. At the end of the day, like your reputation in the league is often formed on, you know, how you perform in games like that. And it's clear that, you know, Dame and CJ have a way, you know, are, are one notch above them in that regard. And like, you know, Harden and Houston is one notch above them. And the guys in LA are one notch above them. And at some point, like, look, to get into that top four, uh, you have to be able to win a playoff series. And, you know, Jokic and Murray just might not be there yet, you know. Is that to say they won't ever get there? You know, no, but 
Um, I think, like, case in point, you know, you actually you look at how game one ended. I mean, like, yeah, Jokic should have made, you know, he should have made that shot. Like, that is a, like, playoff closers make those shots, and he didn't. And so, um, yeah, I think it's fair to ask that question. Yeah, but I also think on the flip side, like, I think you're seeing Donovan Mitchell start to take that next step right now. Like, you know, he had obviously that 57-point outburst in Game 1, but when you look at how Game 2 and, and Game 3 unfolded, like, you know, you know that obviously, like, coming out, of coll- coming out of college, he was not a point guard. And even like you know the first the the, the and, and I think we talked we talked we've talked a lot about this his rookie year is like the Jazz just gave him the ball and let him figure out how to do his thing which is the best thing you can do for a rookie if you have kind of the opportunity to and now we're sort of seeing you know and, and you know, he's obviously had a good he had a good year but like you know we're seeing him in the playoffs be a distributor when he needs to be and hit the shots when he needs to and kind of be that guy for them. Um, in a bubble atmosphere that really could have gone any possible way you, when you consider just the team dynamics coming out of all the coronavirus stuff. Um, but I think, you know, and, and missing Bogdanovich is is huge and, and why I had thought that the Nuggets were going to win this series because I didn't know where the Utah offense was going to come from. But he's setting guys up and he's, and, you know, Jordan Clarkson has come off the bench and is playing really, really well in that six-man role for them. Um, Ingles has found his shot. Like, you know, they're getting all the right contributions from these guys at the time you need them. Um, you know, does that mean they're going to go in and, and if, if they win this series, go in and take four out of four out of seven from the Clippers? Like maybe not, but you know, winning this series is kind of a good springboard into next year for, and, and beyond for Utah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to overreact to like, what's a, what's a two, one lead. Cause you know, these things can flip on a dime, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, when you're this early in a series. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think to your original question, like, you know, like the, the pecking order as far as like playoff closing ability, uh, is like a fair thing to ask as far as where that lends like Denver to, because we haven't even talked about like, you know, like I, I think I mentioned four teams that have better closers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, we haven't even talked about the Warriors and, Right. And who will be back there next year? And like you know, Doncic seems to have every uh, the makings of a guy that's going to you know be that type of playoff closer too. I mean, at, at some point you have to ask yourself like you know, right. is there enough room for us? And I think like Denver's a, yeah, they're they're a good team. They're well put together. Um, but um, I I I think it's okay to I think it's okay for them to be a little bit worried about like where they're going to end long term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Yeah, I think I think that's, you know, there, there's always I feel like Denver always just is one of those teams where it's like, who knows what's going to happen now? And now we kind of have that same question for the next like four years, um, unless Michael Porter Jr. just turns into like Durant, basically, which who knows? Um, but yeah. OK, so that's, you know, I, th- and I think that's been probably the most interesting series so far. Um, I don't know why I put this series next. But um, so the the Bucks Magic series, like the, you know, after kind of suffering a really weird, like unexpected loss in Game One, the Bucks have tightened things up and won the other two games by double digits. Um, but something that I caught on to, and I'm sure a lot of other people did, uh, it's not like it was super hard to see, was that the Bucks defense was atrocious for most of the restart, um, and 
is, you know, given, yeah, their, their, their defensive schematics are set up to kind of allow a certain number of threes at, at once. But, I mean, this was, what I saw was was pretty pathetic in terms of just like, God, teams were getting just wide open corner threes and you just can't, you can't let up that many in an NBA game and expect it to kind of turn out okay no matter how good your team is offensively. And it's not like they had the hardest schedule either kind of after the restart and the Magic took advantage of them in game one. Um, I mean, you know, with, with, with a lot better teams on the horizon coming up, kind of even as soon as as soon as the next round if they if they have to like they if they have to play Miami which it's looking like they will as Miami's up 3-3-0 with the bevy of shooters that Miami has like at what point do do the bucks start worrying i mean not worrying but like if you're a bucks fan let's say like are you are you like freaking out now i honestly i i don't i don't think so I mean, yeah, I, I, I was going to – my initial response was going to be, like, yeah, as far as their defense goes, like, their scheme basically, you know, says we're not going to give up layups. You can have as many threes as you want. And so uh, um, I think some of that could be, like, the general uptick in shooting percentages related yeah, to, like, that's, that's being a in, a, in a gym. But that's mm-hmm. not, like, going away, you know. Right. So um, – uh, it's not like, yeah, that problem's not going to go away, especially when you, you play better teams. Um, but I guess perhaps it's part of a broader discussion of the overall importance of defense uh, in, in the NBA in general now. Um, just with the new, like, it's, it, it's hard to be a good defensive team. I mean, you basically have one legit contender that is that has hung their hat and said, you know, we're, we're going to win with our defense and that's the Raptors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just like the reason why you might not be worried as a Bucks fan is because no one's playing defense and it's all these games are shootouts and it's just going to kind of, you know, if you believe in your offense and you believe in the scheme and you believe you have the best player on the court every time you go out there, yes. which they, they do, um, you know, that's it, it's a reason not to worry in my opinion. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I think that, like, you know, regard, regardless of, of Giannis, like, I think the Bucks specifically have seen their role players really fail to step up throughout the bubble. Like, DiVincenzo has been terrible. Brook Lopez hasn't shot well. Um, you know, Bud is playing these really weird lineups for the most part. Like, he's playing all 13 of his guys in a bunch of these games. And, like, yeah, sure, when you're playing the Bucks or the Ma- or the Magic and, like, you have the number one seed wrapped up, like, sure, whatever. But, like, Middleton have really hasn't gotten going, and he's going to be a huge key and have to hit hit his open shots when Giannis, draws def- when, he, when Giannis draws the majority of the defense. So I just, like, you know, if – you know, I mean, I, I think the Heat specifically will pose a very tricky matchup. Like, if the Pacers, if the Pacers were gonna, if it was gonna, you know, if that was gonna be their next round matchup, it's like, okay, cool, just like stick Giannis on TJ Warren, and that's done. Like, whatever. Um, but with the Heat specifically, with how methodically they play, because um, I believe I believe they are one of the slowest paced teams in the NBA uh, this season. But also just with the sheer number like of knockdown shooters you've got. And a Giannis stopper and quote unquote like you know a, a, maybe not Giannis stopper but like a guy that can play legitimately good defense on Giannis and Bam, um, 
who also serves as a really good passer out of the high post. And you've got, if you can just surround him with like Hero and Duncan Robinson and Butler and like shit, Kelly Olynyk, like that, that could give this Bucks team some serious trouble. And maybe I just know some really pessimistic Bucks fans, but, uh, they're already, they're already saying like, if, if, you know, if they don't make it to, uh, at least the conference finals, like Giannis is just gone. So, you know, yeah, I think, um, I think that's all, that's all pretty on point. Um, because you're you're right, the heat the heat could give them trouble, um, and even after that, the <laughs> the Raptors could give them trouble. Yeah, well, yeah, that, I was gonna say that's before we get into what the Raptors. Yeah, um, but I mean, like, look, we, you know, NBA insiders like bow down to the Bucks this year, you know, because they had a great regular, you know, they had a great regular season, and they. You know, they've, they've been a good regular season in the last two years, you know, specifically after they made the coaching change. And so I think it's it's fair for us to think of them as, like, the uh, supreme team in the East. But, um, you know, it's playoff time. And, you know, the Raptors are, you know, we, we really shouldn't under uh, underrate the Raptors. No, no um, we shouldn't. The, you know, even even with their obvious loss, and I think you know they gave them real trouble last year. That wasn't just related to Kawhi's greatness, and um, I mean, I guess not to not not to pat myself on the back, but I've I've been saying all year that the Raptors are you know still scary good, and um, we maybe just need to realign our packing order because maybe the top four, you know, maybe the other teams that end up in the top four with the Bucks, the Bucks aren't that far apart from them. Maybe it's just the same, a similar conversation to the one we just had about Denver. Yeah. And so I, th- I think we can actually, uh, we can, we can change up the order a little bit here since we're already talking about Toronto. And I think an interesting point talking about Toronto is just like, yeah, you lose Kawhi and you, you lose Danny Green, like, you know, obviously differing levels of skill and impact, but still, you know, that's a lot to lose from a championship team. But, like, the individual strides that everyone else on their team made is really, really insane to think about. Um, I mean, Van Van Vliet basically played himself into an all-star level talent this year. Pascal Siakam keeps improving. Like, Kyle Lowry is still Kyle Lowry. Um, and yeah, you, you, and that's not even getting to, like, Norman Powell. OG, right. Serge is exactly. having a good year. Like, I mean, it really just speaks to the obvious, which is incredible coaching right but i think like you know it not only is like the individual skill development extremely impressive to say the least but you still have you know nick nurse kind of bringing all these guys together even without losing you know even without the the top five player in the nba uh and keeping them on this course and like i mean there's there's a there's a good chance they end up back in the finals again which you know might cement this as one of the best coaching seasons in in the history of the nba yeah, I yeah, it, and and they they somehow also may have ended up with the the easier route than the than the Bucks too, especially. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, Boston poses its own set of challenges, but um, the Raptors are probably like they're the worst matchup for Boston. Yeah, they're 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 well set up, I think, with just like the way that they defend their wings um, mm-hmm. and stuff, you know. With with Boston, I really think the key is 
you know, it's to slow down Tatum and Brown, and you know, you're you're gonna win. And so with with considering the Hayward injury there too, um, I would I would almost think it's a sh- it's more of a sure thing that Toronto gets through to the Eastern Conference Finals than than the Bucks. Um, yeah, so I think I think I agree with you there. It, yeah, and so there's there's not really that much more to do other than uh, bow down to what what Toronto's been able to do. Um, and as I said before, the the thing that is so impressive is they're building a blueprint uh, for how to win with defense. And I think it's it's interesting because so there's clearly a massive rule change a couple of years ago that forced teams to rethink about how they're playing the game of basketball when it's it's the handicap to play defense is a lot harder. And it's actually it's interesting to me because it it reminds me a lot of parallels that are taking place in the NFL right now where you know rule changes that force defenses to have to play a different way and now you're you know maybe in the in the two thousands the linebacker is probably the most valued position, but now it's more edge rushers and cornerbacks uh, mm-hmm. and so uh it it will be interesting to see if the blueprint print that toronto is writing is one that's adopted um and, and maybe what it just means for the future of the game in this state of new rules is that you have to think differently about what uh lockdown defense means yeah i think that's i think it's a really good point and i, I don't think there's I mean, okay, maybe maybe that's a, a little bit a little bit too complimentary, but like Nick Nurse has been at the forefront of experimenting with different defenses, and you know, I, I think I think at a certain at a certain point in time in the NBA, like everyone just kind of would have assumed that you know throwing in some zone or whatever would have just been kind of a junk defense sort of deal. But you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing a lot of adoption, not necessarily like teams committing to one defensive scheme for an entire game, but you know, he's really good at figuring out exactly when to play some form of zone and how they match up against given teams. And, you know, he's been through the entire gauntlet already, and that's going to serve serve him really well when he knows exactly kind of what he can expect out of his guys over a given seven-game series once you get to the Eastern Conference Finals, once you get to the NBA Finals. So, you know, bringing back an entire team that did it last year Minus obviously Kawhi, but you know, that's that's huge when it comes to, I mean, and well, who who the hell knows with with what's going on in the bubble? But you know, it's good to have that experience. Yeah, and I guess just kind of more specifically elaborate on what exactly they're doing on defense. I think, like, yeah, your your point about uh, mixing up defenses and the, the you know boxing ones and zones, triangle mm-hmm. twos, like yeah, like all that stuff's very creative but i think what what i was more referencing was like so so basically like the nfl has made the active decision that like to defend these spread offenses they basically go you go like smaller and faster on defense right like you try to match speed for speed and to some degree i think that's what toronto's been able to do better than any other team and maybe it's not so much speed for speed as it is like wing for wing but yeah. i think what basically what defenses 10 years ago would tell you was like you needed you needed a great defensive big that was like burly and could rebound 
and you needed a couple of, you know, burlier, tough guys on the perimeter to be able to be physical. And I think now, I, I don't think that's how you play good defense now. I think you need athletic wings that can move their feet, um, and you need to guys that can rotate quickly and uh, close out on shooters and, you know, do it without fouling. And I, it really seems synonymous to playing like a six or seven defensive back uh, scheme in the NFL where that's really how teams are going to have to defend from now on. And, you know, there, there's probably not going to be a place for, I, I guess, like trying to think of, uh, you know, trying to potentially think of an example um, from, or maybe like a, like a Andrew Bynum or someone, you know, from back in the old days where like, yeah, like he was a good offensive player, but like, he's kind of, you know, he, he's big, he could rebound, you know, he, 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 he helped in like a two headed big system. He was, he was good. Or like a, a Keith Bogans on the bulls where like, you kind of put him out there as like a burly defensive stopper. I don't know that that's the, I don't know that that's the way of the future. I think it's, it's you get guys like OG that are and Powell that are like athletic can guard multiple positions are great at closing out and can rebound too and that's that's really the future. Yeah, I th- I I agree and I also think that when you're talking about Toronto specifically, like how how much of a luxury is it to have a guy like OG that just you can bring off the bench and Norman Powell like you know they have so many wings that especially when you're considering like how good like Tatum and Brown are like just having multiple guys to throw at them and like with relatively fresh legs is, is going to be huge. Well, and you have to give though, you have to give like developmental credit too. Cause like, yeah, those right. guys were, yeah. um, they, I think they were both mid to late first rounders, but OG, I think was actually a lottery pick like, like oh, 16 yeah. or 18 yeah, or something. So, so, yeah. oh, no, he was 20, he was 23. So, I, I don't think um, these are these are guys that these are guys that you know weren't meant to be brought in to right. be stars, and you got to give Toronto credit for. Oh well, yeah, hundred percent. Like I, you know, especially with OG coming in on a torn ACL, like, and when he wasn't really that great in college. I don't think that's like a super. I mean, he averaged what eleven? He, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. He he averaged eleven points on fifty five. I mean, he shot fifty five percent, but like thirty one percent from three and fifty six percent from the free throw line as a saw as a, a sophomore as last year in college. Like, yeah, what 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 the what what they're able to do, kind of developing these guys on, and again having the luxury where they don't need to come in and just play up on right away. Like, speaks a lot to the to the. Um, development uh yeah the development of what of what toronto can do um so i guess we can, we can kind of speed round through the last the last few um the rockets thunder series has been very interesting so far um and it was always going to be and we talked about this in the last the last episode where it was like no one ever really wants to play the rockets in a seven game series because you're just kind of at the mercy of are they going to hit their shots or not because they're going to take a ton of them um and you know they they find themselves up two one after after losing to the Thunder today. Where I don't know if you watched any of that game, but they just fell apart the entire. They scored forty one points the entire second half and went down eleven points right off the bat in overtime. Um, but where I've been 
really intrigued is how well they've played defensively without Russell Westbrook. Do you think adding him back into the mix is going to make it worse? Um, I, I don't think it will make it worse. I think, I think you, we might be giving them too much credit for, I, I don't think the Thunder team are like a particularly hard team to defend. And I, no, I, I don't either. Um, but I will say I have been like impressed with how they, I mean, they have, they've been, you know, they've, they've been better than I expected against the Rockets so far, but. Not. The, the, the question for me on the Rockets is, will they actually face a team that will punish them for not being big? And uh, the Lakers are... The Lakers. Well, yeah, the Lakers are an obvious candidate to do that. But they've actually played the Lakers. They, they played the Lakers pretty well in the regular season. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, I think in, in a lot of ways that series comes down to, you know, AD against all the mice in his various houses that he builds. <laughs> Maybe this is when they unleash Tyson Chandler. Um, and, and I don't know that they actually truly have, uh, I mean, like, well, it's going to be Tucker or Covington that end up on LeBron. Actually, that, that that'll that, probably that, Covington. Don't, Although don't, I don't, Dan Tony just like sat him for the entire, like the entire second half today, which I don't understand. What what I think it has been what I think was the most interesting storyline from today's game in particular was the realization of the that Dort kid and how he can guard Harden pretty well and uh, yeah. I would expect that to you know when like I would expect that blueprint to be replicated pretty significantly. Um, now I think it like the the Dort has clearly some pretty special defensive abilities that you know may not uh, be easily replicated. But I think what will be interesting to see in that Lakers series is because of how small they play. Like you could you can say, all right, like LeBron shut down Harden, and um, when you do that, that's you know, then you have a chance to win. That's that's like effectively the reason why the Thunder even had a chance today is because, but, but like actually think about that for a second. So Harden had to play so bad today just for the Thunder to win okay. in overtime. Yeah. I think that says a lot about actually like how impressive the Rockets have been in this small ball scheme that they're running. Yeah, I'm with you. I think like it doesn't, it, you know, and obviously the whole point of their offense is to just jack threes, but you know, it's not like they're taking a bunch of really terrible shots. They've been moving the ball really well and getting good designed looks. Um, you know, whether that's kind of open corner threes, open wing threes, or Harden doing whatever he does. But, like, it's not like they're forcing 60 shots, 60 threes a game. Like, and no, I think, no, they're, they're not. Yeah. They're, they're mostly good shots. Yeah. <laughs> Which is crazy. And, you know, getting Westbrook back will help because – you know, I'd rather have him handling the ball than like Eric Gordon or, you know, something like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm just intrigued to see if they can keep but, shooting. Like, you, you oh. know that like, uh, so I, Westbrook, Westbrook can 
can get you a win, but he can also like cost you a loss. He can shoot. He can shoot you out of a game. Yeah. yeah. So you just like if that happens in a pivotal game against the Lakers, like it could flip the series. Yeah, I'm also intrigued to see like how many minutes he actually comes back playing. Like, are they gonna just are they gonna just try and set him loose, or are they gonna try and ease him in? I'm guessing they're just gonna set him loose because he won't accept no for an answer in terms of like a minutes restriction. But yeah, I'm 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 intrigued to see kind of how that how that ends up working out. Um, we can skip talking about Philly because they're a train wreck. Um, so Lakers and Clippers kind of had weird starts to both of their series. Like obviously, I'll, like the Lakers came out and lost Game One uh, to the Blazers, and then. The Clippers had a really tight game one where basically they only won because Porzingis got ejected in what might have been just the biggest bullshit ever. And then they lost game two. The Lakers did come back and win tonight by 11, but like it, it's becoming very apparent that their lack of depth is going to hurt them once they play teams with like actual wings. Um, are you, are you, if, if you're a fan of one of those teams, are you, are you, feeling a little apprehensive at this point. Uh no. Really? Okay. I just I don't know. I if I'm if I'm a Clippers fan, I'm terrified that Paul George is being Paul George in the playoffs again and sucking like real bad. And you know, Harold Harold's getting back into the swing of things, but you know, if if you got to go up against AD like you're screwed. Sorry. Or, like, so the, or, even, or even like Gobert in the next round if they have to play the Jazz. I actually think, I think they both have favorable matchups next round kind of on the horizon, regardless of, of who it is. Um, and I think the, the tide is turning in both of these series now, whether it's because of the Doncic injury or the Lakers suddenly having woken up. I don't, I think, um, again, you don't want to overreact to, to one game too much, but um, the way that they've responded after initial adversity in these first-round series, again, remember, like, sweeps are rare, I think, right. just in general. So, um, and you typically get the best shot of the underdog early in the series. So, yeah. and uh, I think, Oops, sorry, go for it. Uh, uh, like, I, I think the Clippers, um, the Clippers are still rounding into form. You know, they didn't really have their full team back, uh, even for like the majority of the bubble games. And Paul George has probably picked the best time of the playoffs to have this problem because he'll he'll figure out a way out of it. I'm sure. Like, Clippers, I wouldn't be worried about as much because I I think. Denver and they have the depth to run with Denver and they're just better than Utah. So I wouldn't worry about their matchup next round. Uh, the Lakers though, the, the problem with them is that like they're an injury away from like, you know, like, yeah, we said, we did say that the entire year though. So I think, I think at this point, like, well, but I guess like, I wouldn't be like, if you're a Lakers fan, and you're worried about like 
their role players three point shooting or like the their backup big guys defense. Like I mean, like that's stuff you talk about when you get to like a like the finals, you know? Like yeah. they're they're better they're better than any, they're better than the team that they're playing now. They're better than the team they're gonna play in the next round. And they're pretty even with the Clippers. And I just I still I haven't seen anything that would make me think it's not gonna it's not gonna be those two. And none of the warning signs that you've mentioned, like, aren't known issues that like I don't know. Like I see I see it I, I still see it as Lakers Clippers in the final in the, in the Western Conference Finals and I still I see it you. being like a long series. Yeah. I I think so too. I just you know, it's today was the first game in the in the Lakers series where I realized that you know, at this point Portland just looks exhausted. Like, you know, you, Nurkic was not himself the entire second half of that game. Lillard is forcing up all these terrible shots. The only, I mean, Mello was, you know, the the best player on that on that, on that team tonight, and it wasn't even particularly. Uh, maybe maybe McCollum played really well too, but like, you know, after those two, it just fell off immediately, and that's where like losing Zach Collins hurts because you know you need as many big guys as you can to throw at AD to give yourself a chance, and he was just lighting everybody up the entire game. So yeah, I I you know when when it comes to Lakers, I just I'm if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm I'm worried that. Waiters or J.R. Smith has to play too many pivotal minutes in a series that's that's close, and that would scare the shit out of me. Um, but we're starting. I mean, LeBron. As long as LeBron and AD are playing at this level, like they're gonna they're they're gonna be real real hard to beat. So it might not even matter. Those are first world problems. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I just like you know after a certain point that depth gets that depth gets uh, scary. I'm assuming. I would love to go to Waiters Island deep in a playoff series. That seems like a great place to go. I mean, I I I would be happy to because I don't care about the Lakers. If I did, I don't think I would. That or I'd need to be drinking a lot more. Go to Waiters Island, order some chicken wings with Chicken Wings Williams, and all all is good. Yeah. All right. So that's that's kind of our uh, summation of the playoffs so far. I think. You know, there's there's still a lot to be decided in round one, um, and we'll we'll be here for the for the rest of it. But I think it is time that we move to the centerpiece of our program, uh, the, where, where we pay homage to the patron saint of this podcast, Jeff Supon, by talking any and everything average. So, Steve, what do you got for the Supon segment? Um, so I am going to talk about something that happened. It's another, this is going to be another baseball thing, but it was too good. Brett, I already told you about this, so uh, you don't have to worry. But um, I wasn't. I trust you. So uh, um, the Marlins, I think, have turned into everyone's favorite baseball team, and for good reason. Uh, you know, they became the underdog when <laughs> they became baseball's most hated team when they had the first. COVID outbreak and now have become the darlings since they've come back with a roster of like half different players because well the rest of their roster has the virus. But little did we know until there was a uh, Twitter almost blew up at the fact that the Marlins have two players on their team named Josh Smith. <laughs> 
um, which we know how much basketball fans love anyone named Josh Smith. But this is true. We love Josh Smith, the name in particular, because it is probably one of the top ten most average names that exist. It is. Uh, and this Wednesday was very special because there was a pitching change that took place in the Marlins game where Josh Smith replaced Josh Smith. And the game cast indicated that they had to, they had to differentiate the two by their middle initial, which seems as average as it could get. And so that uh, made people like me very happy. That's a good one. I do like that. Um, so for mine, um, since I, since I started school, I've like had to start buying school supplies again. And I think I can think of nothing more average, uh, than buying a bunch of binders. Um, so like I, 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 you know, it just makes sense given that I'm, I'm handwriting a lot of notes. I've got a lot of things I need to print. Like it's all, it all makes a lot of sense. Uh, but it's just, it's so hard to stack binders effectively because they keep falling off of each other. Uh, and so there's there's just a lot, there's kind of a lot that goes into it. I mean, obviously they're not hard to use. Like, I'm not, you know, I can figure that part out. But it's just like, I, the combined with the fact that I just haven't had to buy school supplies in five years uh, and then just ended up with a giant stack of binders on, on my quasi-bookshelf is uh I'm feeling real average, especially when you just gotta do all the manual dividers and stuff. It's it's a whole made me feel very average again. I had fifteen questions that I was gonna ask you to follow follow up on that, but I decided that none of them are worth it to ask. So not I, even not even one? Well, I was I was gonna ask like, did you buy scissors and glue with it too? But that seems uh, I had I had the scissors already. I don't need glue. I don't think we do a lot of art projects in law school. Colored pencils. I wish I'm a terrible artist though, so I think any any art supplies I bought would be wasted. All right, well there you go. Now uh, let's now move on to listener base. Please send Brett all the. I was art. gonna say if you have if you have any other uh, art supply questions, uh, you are free to send them to our email. Uh, two years away pod at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter for all your art supply related content questions uh, at two underscore years underscore away. Uh, have, I, I, have I told anyone to send you a message in a bottle recently? I don't remember. No, you haven't. Okay, then send Steve a message in a bottle. It'll be an intro. I'm sure it'll be good. Um, all right, so now moving on back to basketball. Uh, I feel like everyone just kind of forgot that the lottery was happening yesterday or on Thursday, on Thursday. So this past Thursday, uh, until, huh? I didn't forget. I said a lot of people. I I was, I was, I was with some people and, and everyone had kind of forgotten. And I had like, until, until that day, I like did not remember that it was, it was that Thursday. Um, they did it in between two playoff games, which I feel like they normally do anyways. Um, but, you know, it's just it's just the whole thing where, um, obviously the the you know not having everyone in the rooms is is great, and we did get a really good reaction out of uh, Detroit's general manager who was caught on camera looking real bummed that they ended up with like what the ninth pick I think is what they ended up at uh, the seventh the seventh pick. Um, but your 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 big winner of the night, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, who did I believe. I believe they were tied for the best odds 
with the uh, Golden State Warriors and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, that so that that was that was the big winner. Uh, the Warriors. So the Minnesota's at one. The Golden State's at two. Charlotte's at three. Chicago's at four. Cleveland's five. Atlanta six. Detroit seven. The big losers of the night were the New York Knicks, ending up at eight. Uh, and then everything was pretty pretty much chalk the rest of the way. Um, and so, you know, we haven't we haven't done a lot of talking about the 2020 draft class yet, and we'll get there um, whenever they end up holding the draft. Um, but, you know, this is a weird year to have the, the first pick. Like, there's not really a consensus future all-star player in this draft. Um, and there's a lot of really divisive players, and there's a lot of really kind of unknowns. And there's also I my my take on this draft is that there's going to be a lot of value in this draft. Like the guys you get towards the end of the lottery, end of the first round, second round, like they're all going to be solid players. There's a lot of really solid players, but there's no one with like a really not no one. There's there are very few players that have the potential for really high ceilings. But those guys also have pretty low floors, in my opinion. So with that in mind, like, what do you kind of see happening as a result of Thursday's lottery? Yeah, I, I agree initially in, in, in all the looks that I've done. I think there's a lot specifically in the second round. There's there's it looks like that's where the value is. Um, I guess what I'll say is. The 2020 to 2021 basketball calendar hasn't been determined yet. And I think that until there's clarity on that in particular, because, okay, here's here's the sequence of events that have to happen. So uh, until the NBA can get, like, a clear revenue projection, on what their revenue is going to look like next year, they're not really going to know what their salary caps are going to look like. And really, that's the first domino that I think has to fall in order for you to really make assumptions about like how teams are going to look at the draft. And so, and, and the reason for that is like if you had teams maneuvering for cap space, for example, over the last couple of years and all of a sudden, you know, they don't, they're not like the cap's going to look different and that, you know, puts more teams in danger of the luxury tax or, you know, whatever, like there could be a lot of maneuvering or there could be no maneuvering. Um, Or you could even run into a situation where like, you know, the NBA puts out their revenue projections, teams don't agree with them. You know, the, the cap ends up being like, there's just all these like, dire financial consequences that you just don't know how are going to play out, which all ultimately go down to like, will there be fans in stadiums next year or not? Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Now, okay. For the draft specifically, like, I think when you look at the top 10, I don't know that you would, that any of that would directly impact how you approach like taking the best player available with the exception of what Golden State chooses to do at number two. And I think that's really the story of the draft here, which we probably spent most time talking about. Because, like, the, the, the whole question to me becomes, all right, like, if Golden State chooses to trade the pick, 
you know, A, who do they trade it to? And like B, what are the domino effects of that? Because I don't know that like I don't know that Minnesota knows they're gonna take it number one right now. Um, but like you could totally see like a weird situation where like a win now contender ends up with the two pick and that probably would lend them towards taking like a uh a player that can have a greater impact now than maybe what the Warriors would take at it if they kept it. That's an interesting interesting point because I actually think that I at least I mean if I was running the Timberwolves, I know who I would take right now. That'd be Anthony Edwards, just strictly because well, so he he actually he might be the best player in this draft, but I think the positional fit is like way too big, way too good to ignore. Um, just in terms of like you you've you've already put down the money to commit to D'Angelo Russell for a while, so it makes sense to kind of get a guy that is able to play off of him. And I know like the knockout Edwards is like he was just crazy inefficient in college, but the rest of his team sucked, and was coached by Tom Crean. So like you know, there's that factor too, but. Um, yeah, I, I think that, like, just from a strict, like, potential best player available based on what your criteria are, um, and also, like, how he fits within the team, I think it makes the most sense. And with the Warriors, you're right. I think the draft really does start with them. Um, because, like, if, if you think about it strictly from, like, a what they need next year to be good again, Wiseman makes the most sense. Like, they need a rim running center more than anything else, assuming Clay and Curry are, you know, healthy enough. And granted, there there's a lot of and, and but also so that's strictly positional. However, you had mentioned them trading out, and I think that is probably the most likely option just because they have so much money tied up long term with Wiggins, Curry, Thompson, and Draymond. So unless they use like Draymond's salary to trade down, uh and in that case, or or trade trade him for whatever they can get that makes the money work. Like there's not there's not a lot of cat like flexibility they have before you even consider what the ramifications of of the actual salary cap are going to be. And the the other the other point I do want to make just because there's depending on your view, two to three guys that this could apply to in like the lottery. Um, I know this is like a thing of the past where you draft a guy and stash him, but that seems like a really good way to not have to worry about financial stuff. And so I like I don't I don't know that that makes the most sense for the Warriors specifically. Like I think you know they want to make their team better so that they have a shot to win next year. You're probably better off taking a player who's going to play. But let's say they find a trade partner who's also cash strapped. Uh, you know that that's where uh, uh, Hayes or uh, 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 the dude from Israel might. Yeah, you know. and I guess I guess it also depends on like what because in nor I feel like in normal years like there's no way those dudes aren't coming to play this year. But if it's safer for them to stay in their native country and play there, like although the, although I guess in theory they wouldn't be under contract anymore. I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff that we all got to figure out but yeah that's that's actually a really good point like you know that's definitely that's definitely an option just given how you know after a couple years their their balance sheets will look a lot different um 
I yeah. actually think I actually think um, their balance sheets. I don't think uh, I don't think any of these salaries get capitalized. I think it's all operating expense. But I don't think you list players as assets. That's, that's not that's not what I, oh, I should. I know like, what you I know what you meant. Thank you. Thank you. A weird screw went off in my brain when you said no, that. But um, I, I deserve uh, that. Uh, I actually think that Obi Toppin is going to have the best NBA career of anyone in this draft. And I don't, I don't know, you know, where he's going to end up. Like, I guess he could end up in the top three if something happens. Weird. I, I'm, I'm really high on him. I am too. I think for him, it's going to be very much a situational spot thing. Yeah, yeah. Because, because uh, his, at least. his rim protecting is subpar at best, and if he goes onto a team that needs one. Like he won't be as successful, I don't think. But if he's if he's somewhere where he can, you know, come off the bench at first and just be that instant offense guy off the bench and have his defense kind of come along, like that would be perfect. Or like or like shit, if he ends up on the Hawks, like because no one cares about defense on the Hawks, like that would be great for him. Um, yeah. I think I think I think it's he probably like unless he ends up on the Warriors, like he'll end up on a team where he'll have a lot of freedom. Yeah. And that, that that is yeah. the best thing for him. Um, I mean, I yeah. I, well, so also, how funny is it going to be when Lamelo ends up in Charlotte? Yeah, I, I would love that. Would that would make me really happy? Um, but yeah, I think like I, I mean, I really like a lot of guys in this draft. I don't necessarily think that there's a lot of all star potential, but I think that there's a lot of guys on this draft that in this draft that are going to be really good players for a long time. Well, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm looking at, at some of these guys like, you know, who are, uh, who are uh, slated kind of in the second round. And like, I just like a Yudoka Azubuike, I think is going to be like a very serviceable big man in the NBA, yeah. you know, a, uh, a Cassius Stanley, I think has three and D written all over him. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, or uh, um, even like Jimus Ramsey. Yeah, like Peyton Pritchard. I was going to say, Peyton Pritchard is going to be, you know, like. Peyton Pritchard is the dude that I want the Bulls to take in the second round. Like. And I think, like, Jordan, Jordan Nora, too, like. Yeah. Three and D, like, Lamar Stevens has, like, NBA written all. Like, there's, there's, like, a lot of guys. Yeah, they're not going to be stars. But I think. Malachi Flynn, like, Isaiah Joe, like, some of these dudes are really good. And will come in and be able to play right away. Like, you know, I've always kind of had, especially when you when you look at point like four year point guards. I think are like guys you can find in the second round where it's like you know these these guys aren't maybe athletically gifted, but the way they see the floor and how hard they play is like you know you look at like Malcolm Brogdon, the Matthew Delvadova types. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, you know, you so see, yeah, you've got Malachi Flynn, you've got Peyton Pritchard, like. You know, guys that won't blow you away athletically, but they're never making bad decisions, and they can hit. They can hit. They can be the guy that hit the sh- that to hit the shot. Um, I mean, even even if you're looking at like Kyra Lewis and um, you know the Villanova guys, like you know those are guys that are gonna step in and be ready to play. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. gonna be it's, it's gonna be a very interesting draft. Like I I love Devin Vassell, and honestly, if the Bulls took him, I'd be ecstatic. I don't. I I'm not with you on the like. I don't. I look at like ten to thirty, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, that's fair. I know that's not. That's not. Uh, it's not very in depth analysis, but we'll yeah. have 
of all of it uh, and more for you guys when we do our in-depth uh, draft yes. podcast. Oh, yes, the draft. Our, yeah, our- whenever, whenever we're, whenever we think we're actually going to have the draft. Um. All right. So I think I think it's about time to, to to wrap this up. So I think we'll end with the always always appreciated fire that guy segment. Uh, where you know just some people got to be fired. Uh, so Steve, what do you got? All right. So I'm actually I'm going to start this off uh, with an apology because I I fired someone in a recent podcast who I who I would actually like to rescind that firing and rehire this person. I have. Flipped 180. I am all on board the Stan Van Gundy as a play-by-play announcer bandwagon now. Um, I don't know what it was. Maybe I caught him on a bad day. We all have bad days. Uh, But I, A, I love that Stan Van Gundy hates when you follow a three-point shooter. Um, And I think I've had enough of Chris Webber to, as much as I have a special in my heart for Chris Webber, for not announcing basketball reasons, yeah. um, I think any any rock uh, is better than Chris Webber as an announcer, and so makes me appreciate guys like Stan Van Gundy more. So, uh, yeah, you know, maybe in next podcast we'll have to have a debate about which Van Gundy's doing a better job, but I'll uh, I'll leave that for our listeners to decide. Fair, you know, it takes takes a takes a big person to admit when they're wrong. Um, and I, I appreciate your, your candor there. Um, all right. So I have like a group of people to fire, I think. Um, so there was a group of like 30 big 10 parents that, uh, tried to show up in Rosemont and yell at Kevin Warren about, about big 10 football this week. Um, so first of all, like, I just don't know, like they ended up giving a press conference somewhere in Rosemont to like 20 people which is interesting. Um, but I, there was one parent specifically who said that like, you know, we just got to trust these coaches and, you know, cause they, we trust the coaches for everything else. And I'm firing whoever's parent that was because they must not have done a lot of research into recent history of, uh, certain actions that certain big 10 coaches have taken that ended up with kids dying. Um, cause you know, DJ Durkin killed a kid. Um, so I just I think that you know there's there's a good way for people to advocate that that there should that there should or should not be playing you know the, 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 there should or should not be college football played this year Big Ten specifically nas- nationally like whatever whatever your your purview is um, but I think that like you know trying to show up and and yell at at Kevin Warren when uh, you're just the parents of kind of uninformed parents trying to figure out how to do that is, is an extremely fireable offense, especially no one followed the Illinois quarantine policy. They're all supposed to quarantine for two weeks when you come from like Iowa and Ohio and all these places. And just no one has, and they're also all wearing their masks wrong. So just, okay, Brett, I, I, I'm going to try to be as polite as possible when I respond to this, but I, I don't think you're giving me any choice here. All right, look, you, that you, I, I, I know, I know some of this is in jest, but I think, Given Actually, some of your opinions on uh, other protests that have taken place across the country now uh, over the last uh, couple well, of months. I, wasn't even, I, I, was, I was just setting this. That was more of me just setting the stage of, of, of what the actual press conference looked like. 
regardless of that. I, well, I don't, I, dude. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, you know, they are they are in their right to come and say whatever they want. There have been plenty of other protests that have taken place in this state with out of state actors. Um, okay, that, 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 part, that, was, that I think it's more in line with the, what you the, view. The, the quarantine, the quarantine part was the joke. Okay, but I that think was, uh, I, I think I think you you uh, want want to be careful when you bring up anything like that because they are totally in their right to to do. I that. didn't say um, they weren't. I think I think the 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 part that I'm actually like I think is insane is them saying that we should trust football coaches with everything. Uh, well. I think yeah, having blind faith in anyone is is probably a bad. That was that was that, was, that is the, like in in all seriousness, that was the part that I that's the only part I legitimately take issue with. I uh, well, uh, you know, I guess the, the especially one in the Big Ten where you know, kid died because of football coach. Okay, well, uh, most of these people seem to have a high amount of respect for the leaders that you know. The, the people who they consider leaders in their life, their head coaches. And I think, yeah, you know, um, that was bad what happened with DJ Durkin. But um, the coaches have actually been the one of the few actors in the whole Big Ten football saga that have taken on a, somewhat of a leadership role. And I don't I, – I, I think you should just be careful because uh, – not every coach is DJ Durkin, and a lot of them are actually beloved by the people that they lead. I'm not saying that. I just think that placing blind faith in one person that does not cover every single part of a person's life is misguided at best. I think that there are a lot of people that, you know, I whatever, it's not worth getting into this. I just, I think that the quotes that made you know, the, 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 the quotes that were circulating and, you know, having read the interviews, the quotes that really stuck out were just stupid, in my opinion. That was it. I, I like, of course, they're they're free to they're free to go to t- try and talk to whoever they want and speak their minds. If you know, I think that I think that's an admirable quality. But just, you know, making a certain point is, you know, if you're going to make if you're going to make a certain point. It should be a little bit better. You could say the exact same thing for all the other protests that have been taking place across the country now on both sides. And so um, I guess all need to be held accountable to the same standards. I don't think that's the point I was making, though. Like, I just whatever. It's not it's not worth going down there. I just I think that. Placing blind faith in, in a football coach to control every aspect of your kid's life is a bad idea. That was it. That was I, I didn't do a necessarily good job of explaining that, but that is the ultimate like point distilled. So uh, you know. Good it's good it's good to have a healthy healthy debate on 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 two years away where, you know, all all uh you know, all points can be argued. Um Got anything else for us? I think I'm good here. All right. Well, uh, we look forward to coming back in a, probably a couple weeks with with some more uh, more playoff content. I, you know, I think uh, there'll be a lot to discuss as, as things start heating up down the stretch. And as always, thank you for listening, and we will see you next time.